0: welcome to episode 15 of the can i tell you something podcast today we have an episode about wizards and you might be thinking why are we talking about wizards but i will intrigue you all with this thought i have a feeling by the end of this episode i could prove to all of you that wizards are real
1: Okay, well, I... Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. Did I just floor you? Was that quite the opener?
1: Here's the thing. This episode was inspired by these viral TikToks going around that I'm sure so many of you have seen. It's like me and the homies, you know, going to raid the castle or whatever. It's and like it's,
0: fetching rare herbs. and Yeah,
1: and it's just like picture or paintings of old wizards. And I just thought it was... Hilarious, And I think everyone has at least one special wizard in their life, whether it's Gandalf or... Dumbledore is another big one. Dumbledore, rest in peace. There's a lot of video games and everyone just knows wizard lore. But what we're curious about is like where does the term wizard even come from? What does magic mean? How has that idea changed over time? Um, And like, what does it mean now? Because I think we all kind of have that idea of, oh, wizard has a pointy hat, long gray beard. But throughout history, that image has been very different. So as far as this episode, we will be going into Just what are wizards? Because we have to (laughs) establish that first. Then we'll be going into the history and where wizards first came from, um, how have they changed throughout history. And then at the end, we'll be reconstructing the narrative of wizards and end with our classic debrief.
0: Yes. I think that a great way to wrap your mind around what's going on is ask yourself the question, before Gandalf, what were wizards? Because as inspirational as Gandalf is for the world of fantasy, literature, and media, something had to come before Gandalf, and something had to come before the things that came before Gandalf. Like, these things don't just show up out of nowhere. A character like a wizard, an archetype like that, is actually quite a cultural, historical little artifact I've come to learn. So, without further ado, what are wizards?
1: Is that a question to me? <laughs> yes,
0: you are being questioned.
1: Okay, so just a precursor out there, I was not involved in the research of this episode, so I'm going in with just my assumptions that I've garnered throughout my life. And to answer the question, what are wizards? I would say wizards are a mythical, I don't want to say creature, but they're not human. A mythical character that harnesses magic for good.
0: Good, good old wise people.
1: Yeah, and very, very wise. And it might involve like potions or might involve spells. or I feel like they always have a staff. Maybe a hat. Doesn't always have to be pointy, but I think they have to have some type of hat. A fun hat. A fun hat. Um, Typically like very, very old. That's why I said non-human because... I feel like they're several, several hundred years old. Yeah. That's where they get that wise perspective. Yes. That's what I would say. That's my final answer for what? That's our your wizards. final
0: answer? I, I think that that's more than acceptable. I, I would say something very similar. I would characterize them as old, but I think I have much more of the the Harry Potter inspired perception oh, of wizards. Oh, you're thinking
1: like the young wizards.
0: Well, not just young, but, like, they grow old, but they're not as potentially ancient as someone like Gandalf would be.
1: They don't come out of the womb at 200 years old.
0: Yeah, they, and they're not living for thousands of years. Um, so and, do you
1: think they're human?
0: So I think that they're, they're like, an offshoot of human, like, a special kind of group of humans.
1: So, like, Homo sapien, Homo erectus homo wizardess
0: homo wizardess is kind of
1: what you're getting at
0: yeah like there is some sort of divine power that either they're born into or they acquired over time or something of the like um and that they are kind of more secluded from the rest of the world and
1: i think that too because you know in the pop culture references we've already stated like harry potter and Lord of the Rings. Let's bring Wizards of Waverly Place into Let's this too. Let's bring them in too, there, like yeah. Honorary mention.
0: They, yeah, they are important.
1: secluded, and there's some sort of um, protection or needing to be hidden for their safety. Yeah. I like, not allowing humans or letting humans know their powers or who they are.
0: And there's, like a like, an error of if humans figure out about who they are, what they can do that they would co-opt that power for evil or, like, there would be a corruptive tendency around it or right. maybe an exploitive tendency around it. Um, but, yeah, so that that was my perception of what wizards were before I started doing some of this research. But now we will get into where the term wizard comes from, what they even do, what is magic, like, these sorts of things because I I came to realize quite quickly while doing this research that if you say wizards are magical you first need to define what magic is so this is kind of going to be more along the lines of this is like a history of what we call magic but it has a lot of interplay with what wizards are as well so they kind of have to work together
1: yeah it seems like wizards are some sort of a Russian doll. It's like you can't really explain them without explaining something else. And to explain that, you have to explain something else in history. And I think that's really interesting when you're going back to a historical myth or something that has lasted the ages, it's going to go through changes. I Mm. think it's really cool that this is something that's still very much alive in our culture today, I'd say throughout the world. And it seems like it, maybe always has been even if it just had another
0: name listen here folks we have a great podcast at least we think so
1: and we hope you do too
0: but we are also the only two people on this podcast so we could be a little delusional about this take
1: and because of that we're looking for viewers like you to tell us tell it to us straight are we a good podcast or are we not
0: We want to interact with you.
1: We want your opinion.
0: Your opinion.
1: You can find us at the Can I Tell You Something podcast on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, where you'll hear us talk about things like, I don't know, do plants have feelings?
0: What is the Myers-Briggs personality test? Who is Steve G? And what do you think about the Barbie movie?
1: All that and more at the Can I Tell You Something podcast. So now that we have our wizardly assumptions, mm-hmm. let's get into where the term wizard or sorcerer or magician even came up in history and how it was different in different cultures.
0: Yeah, so the the term wizard comes from the term wise and man from Middle English. And it really came from a time before the Renaissance where... Uh, people were seeking knowledge or seeking some sort of higher level of knowledge that was separate from what the church was able to provide. And so that's where you see things like astrology come into play. That's where you see things like alchemists come into play is they were these bodies of knowledge that were independent of these churches. Now within Celtic tradition, uh, the that sort of representation of a wizard was called a druid and it was very similar to like a priest class. Um, and those priests were known for training for a long period of time, probably getting very old, very wise, and providing clerical knowledge to the local governments, whether it was kings or other people in power. And they would do things like I mean, they, I, I saw evidence of um, like human sacrifices. That's where that sort of stuff starts to come into play. Um, and a lot of traditions like that.
1: So it, you're saying in Celtic tradition, they had quote unquote power. Yes. like a, I'm saying like political power in a similar mm-hmm. way that a priest might.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, as you can imagine, then when um, Catholicism goes up, Up north at that period of time, there was a lot of contention between what was considered occult and what was considered acceptable religion. That's where we get into the idea of magic or the occult coming into play as being the non-Christian, the non-accepted religion of that space.
1: So it's almost, I don't want to say counter-movement, because it's not a movement. It always existed, but maybe a counter um, lifestyle yes, or way of thinking.
0: I mean, think about the way that we think of wizards kind of being off in the woods and being separate from society, cast out by society. That, I think, very much resembles what was being done with those ideas and beliefs. It's the idea that these are no longer acceptable. These are worshiping some sort of false god there is a lot of you know use of the bible to say that this is false god we're real god and so oh,
1: so they're okay so i think you you did a great job of just kind of saying this is the difference between magic and sorcery versus the church yeah and here like in celtic tradition this is what it's like in mm-hmm. the rest of europe this is what it was like but do we know any information about the rest of the world? Cause that's just Europe. Mm-hmm. Do we know how other cultures were handling wizardry or maybe different time periods? How did magic or whatever the word was used at that time influence um, ways of thinking back then? Cause we're seeing a political impact.
0: Yeah. I, I, want to say that the narrative that I'm presenting here is incredibly Western-centric. However, there is evidence that during the Renaissance, people were looking to old knowledge from other parts of the world as this kind of magical, mystical knowledge, I mean, and trying to derive some sense of wisdom from it. I think what's really interesting is we think of the Renaissance as the birth of scientific thought and of being very empirical and by the book. But there is is great evidence that that period of time was actually much more exploratory in terms of where they were getting ideas, thoughts, and beliefs. And so something like magic being the other, you know, magic equal to other, was much more accepted. And... I'm of the opinion that when you see things that are older with newer eyes or with the wisdom that we get over time throughout history, you can have some really kind of fascinating interpretations of what you're what you're learning and what you're discovering. And it can lead to a lot of evolutions in thought. So it, it's interesting how it's been it was first a part of the Renaissance and then it was actually cast out by the Enlightenment movement, which is where we get into the idea of the classical period, and that's where we get into um, a lot of things like the witch trials being akin to like demonic ritual and all that sort of stuff.
1: Right, and that's the clear impact of of the Catholic Church is Mm -hmm. demonizing just the idea of magic and even gendering it, which if anyone out there is even the slightest bit familiar with Salem witch trials or just witch trials throughout all of Europe, we know how just horrible that time period was specifically for women who were not Catholic. But what I wanted to point out is it seems like the idea of magic is kind of being recycled as a thought throughout different thought movements or whatever you want to call it. But the idea seems to be, like you said, exploratory in nature, maybe scientific humans just didn't have, and I don't want to say correct, because we could be totally off today, but um, a more exact term for what changes they were seeing in the world before their eyes. So they gave it a general term like magic. This is something that is happening that we don't quite understand. It's outside of human ability. Therefore, it must have some sort of power source that we do not understand. And I re- I just really like that. I think there's something so interesting about seeing things that you just can't quite understand. And I just think that the word magic is is just a beautiful word to put to it. And it it does make me sad that it has gone through so much turmoil to get to where it is today, but you know, if we're talking about wizards, we have to acknowledge what different time periods thought of it.
0: Yeah, and I I do want to take it back to kind of our origins of where wizards came from to think about what it actually was to explore thoughts and ideas for some of the earliest people that could be classified as almost a, a wizard type. I would look towards astrology and alchemy as our kind of two foundational schools of thought. And you both might,
1: science, both that we would be today.
0: Yeah, so it's like the the equivalent is pretty. It's not one to one, but there's a lot of similarities. Astrology, I know, has a lot of different opinions today, but really, where it was founded from was people looking up at the stars and trying to map their movements and relate it to social events that were happening. On Earth, it was a way to try and understand what was going on in the cosmos and relate it to society. Where it enters that pseudoscientific space is a lot of the assumptions between those two spaces movement of stars and people. Um, But in the process of developing the field of astrology, there were incredibly precise calculations made of a lot of different stars. And that sort of basis was really helpful for founding things like astronomy, right? I mean, the words, they, they sound very similar for a reason. Right. And, and alchemy also has a really similar and fascinating origin. I'm sure that a lot of people are familiar with the concept of earth, water, fire, and air being the foundational elements of the
1: universe quick little side note yes do you remember that alchemy game i used to play it in middle school it was like a little browser game oh, i can't even remember it might have just been called alchemy
0: where you're just like making things yeah you have yeah. the the
1: elements and you have to combine them to make different things i used to play that in our science class yeah. let me know if anyone <laughs> knows what i'm talking about i was finding that
0: when i was doing you research. Were, because yeah. that
1: game was so fun please continue. Yeah.
0: So alchemy comes from the idea that you can create pretty much anything from these four foundational elements of earth, water, fire, and air. And the big sell of the time was being able to turn lead into gold. And so alchemists were hired by, um, by very powerful people at the time to help them make weapons, win wars, enhance things. Like, it, because it was the idea that you could create anything from mixing different chemicals and all that jazz which is true like you can make anything through chemical processes and what's interesting about how alchemy as the like the pseudoscience bit relates to chemistry today is that before alchemists existed there were a limited number of Earth materials that were readily available for people to use and explore using. But because alchemists started messing around with everything, all of these different acids and like different powders and like chemical compounds were being created almost by accident. So it was really the playing and the exploring and trying to figure things out that led to a broader foundation for chemistry to be built out of.
1: I was going to say, it sounds like alchemists and Wizards of that time were chemists, physicists, astronomers,
0: mathematicians, like
1: probably biologists if they were messing mm -hmm. around with bugs and plants. Well,
0: a lot of the potions,
1: doctors if they were healers.
0: mm -hmm. And, And so, there is like the initially the theory that chemistry comes out of uh health sciences, but it's likely that it actually came directly from alchemy. So, when it comes to the way that scholars look at magic throughout history they really split it up into two forms one is low magic and the other is high magic or intellectual magic and so low magic is much more of the the small cultural artifacts so that's charms meaning prayers blessings or something of the sort protected protective amulets sorcery uh popular astrology trickery and some medical magic through herbs and animals. Whereas high intellectual magic, which is much more in that alchemy space, includes more forms of learned magic. So that's where, yeah, alchemy, astrology, uh, books of secrets, neuromancy. Neuromancy was a big thing. Um, and the the institution of high magic, I think, is where we get that wizard perception. Whereas low magic is much more of like the the cultural bits i think of uh, what
1: do you mean institution of high magic
0: so that that would be your like druids and your priesthoods that are studying
1: oh okay magic. so it's like an actual profession
0: yeah like quote unquote it, i mean alchemists weren't coming out of nowhere they had to study through something and then, right
1: whereas low magic are you saying like anyone could do
0: yeah it would be the anyone could. It, it's I mean, think of it as similar to the way that um, we have a lot of smaller religious artifacts. We have prayers that we say. That I mean, it's it seems very similar to
1: that. So just to reiterate, yeah. low magic are everyday practices that people in a town or a community could practice either solo or together. Mm-hmm. High magic is something that a trained I don't want to say professional cuz I don't know if that <laughs> really professional I don't do know it. if that really translates but um, someone who is studying under a magic field does so that's those traditional sciences that we know today the the chemists or the alchemists the astrologers or the astronomers and so forth
0: Exactly What's also interesting, too, is so we have the distinction between high and low magic, and then we also have the distinction between black and white magic,
1: too. I was wondering when this was going to come into play.
0: Yeah, so black magic is much more of the, it was considered the demonic side of magic practitioners, which if we use some of this historical context, pretty much anything that's not Christian would be considered black magic,
1: and also just lots of racist undertones. Yes, even just in the names.
0: <laughs> and then white magic uh, was a another form of magic that was much more aligned, or it was compatible with Christian thought. It didn't dare fly in the face of it. It was the. It seems to be much. It leans into like the the Holy Spirit side of Christianity a bit more. In order to fit general Christian thought. And we see this sort of play out through a bunch of different cultures as Christianity, as they encounter Christianity, where it's not a clean, like Christianity takes over as the predominant religion. There are some concessions, there are some compromises made where they, multiple religions will kind of intersect and kind of augment from there. And so, White magic, as I see it in this, is the let's find a way to continue some sort of ritualistic practice that is similar, but make it acceptable by the church.
1: And the church is really good at that, at finding some practices or ideals that they know will either benefit them as an institution or is needed in their practice some way, so they're going to almost endorse a certain part of a practice and then demonize another, and try and turn those individuals on one another, one another, so that they get more followers to the church. And you know that's really tough because if any of you are familiar with white and black magic, specifically um, with different races and different groups of people, even here in the United States. Um, you know how divided those groups are, and it's you know it's heartbreaking to know that this comes directly as a product from the church. Um, but you know, there's there's nothing we can do about it now. The damage, the damage is done. But I did just want to point out if there are any Outlander fans out there, such as myself, you will definitely know the difference between black and white magic in scottish and celtic culture Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just like one instance i'm sure all of us have heard the term voodoo if you live in the united states and like have been to louisiana or just know about it in the south in general that's referred to as black magic both like literally with the people who started it and practice it um but also just it was said that because the Catholic Church was so scared of it. And that also played like a huge role in the satanic panic in the United States and also the fear of the occult in the United States. And it's really unfortunate to see certain practices be associated with really harmful um, and violent ideals when it seems like magic just... Magic was once just magic. And since it's been split, I think that's fair. And like since the church has split it, now there are different ideas and different interpretations.
0: I, I think that what's, what's difficult to say is whether or not this sort of s- fracturing tends to just happen when a religion intersects with another
1: One is demonized and the other is For example, like even science has been demonized by the Catholic Church. And of course, it's getting better. But we know why certain things aren't taught in religious schools.
0: Yeah, And like
1: we've said, isn't magic just science and science is magic? Yeah. And of course, these are all my opinions. You're welcome to counter it.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, because you also have a, a good old history of... Um, scientists throughout history that have been either ostracized or like reprimanded by the church for scientific discovery and then you know however many years later it's like oh yeah they're they were right like Galileo is a big one um in in that and to
1: discussion. me like Galileo' is a wizard
0: yeah it, hands exactly. down like it's it's hard to
1: astronomer wizard yeah same thing that's kind of what I'm getting at is like yeah the the basic idea that we can all relate magic to has split yeah i think because of the church's um, intervention
0: can i tell you something is a threads exclusive social media podcast but you can also find us on tiktok and instagram at can i tell you something podcast and if you like listening with your ears to our wonderful voices You can find more of us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you really love us, you'll stream us on all four. And if you don't...
1: Simultaneously. Yes. So we've kind of hinted at it, but let's move towards what wizards might have looked like and changed throughout history. So my question to you is when people would say that a miracle had been performed or some sort of magical ritual had been performed, what did that actually look like? Because like we said, magic is such a blanket term that I feel like you can kind of fit a lot of ideas into. So do you have any like examples or can, can you paint me a picture of what magic or the performance of magic may have looked like in different time periods?
0: I, w- I would say that the best way for us to wrap our heads around it is the performance of magic would be really similar to the performance of religion in a lot of ways, especially if we consider it as the othering of certain religions. So for for Celtic Druids, for example, a lot of that was based off of sacrifice. And we know that other cultures throughout history have performed sacrifice in order to do things like, um, you know, receive better rain, better conditions for crops, better food. It's the desire for a greater outcome. That's also where you get into the, it's almost like a delayed sense of goodwill. Stuff wouldn't happen instantaneously.
1: Meaning like you have to do, you have to offer something or do something in order to get the desired outcome you want.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like the, you you have to have the recipe to get the outcome.
1: I'm surprised, I I agree with that, but I'm surprised that you said that it would be similar to religion because we've been talking about how magic was kind of the antithesis to religion.
0: I would say it's only the antithesis to a dominant religion. Because if we think about how pagan tradition has been co-opted by Christianity and the Catholic Church for kind of making the, the conversion pill easier to swallow for for long-practicing pagans. It's It would be strange to say that it is not akin to religion. Because if it's flying directly in the face of it and if it is something that needs to be modified and eradicated in order to be replaced by another then it must be very similar the only examples I would say that would be different than that are when you're starting to deal with more like alchemist type characters where right you might have people that have highly specific specialized knowledge that not a lot of other people have and that's where, you know, this this is where I'd insert my opinion. If you have someone that's really knowledgeable about certain things and you're not, then their knowledge might seem quite magical even though it is common for them or it is well known for them.
1: I always feel that when Neil deGrasse Tyson is speaking. I'll just I'll just <laughs> say that like that right? that man feels magical. Yeah. I guess a better follow-up question to you because I agree in the way that you worded that. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the cliche wizarding practices came from, like holding a wand, casting spells, mixing potions, yeah, even holding a staff? Like we see these stereotypes and these cliches pop up in almost every wizarding reference. But how we're talking about it, it seems like they were just practicing natural sciences. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering where those stereotypes came from or if they even existed. Or is that just like an artistic um, assumption of what wizarding was?
0: So for the character Gandalf, who's based off of the Finnish demigod, Vainamoinen, Vainamoinen, is... Very,
1: very American pronunciation. Yeah,
0: um, is... Uh, often characterized wielding a sword, but then also wielding a, like, a lyre or a harp um, made out of, like, an animal jawbone. So there are certain characterizations throughout history that I think modern-day artists derive a lot of their inspiration off of. I didn't look into things like the staff and the wand stuff specifically because so much of the other history was... I thought um, more important to kind of get to the bottom of and wrap my head around. But I wouldn't be surprised if like just a staff, if you think about wizards being old and wise, could just be a walking stick, you know? And something as simple as a wand, I mean, when you are out in, let's say, the wilderness or in the outskirts of society, a good pointing stick... It's really good for drawing things in the dirt. It's really good. It's a, it's a easy to use tool. And it would also play into the stereotype of incredible age. Like wood can age for a very, very long time and um, have some sort of lively power to it. As for the potion stuff, though, I can speak more specifically to that.
1: Okay, w- real quick. Yeah. I just I just Googled this because wands... I, I had this question pop up. I'm like, okay, did J.K. Rowling invent wizarding wands? And then I th- was thinking, of, of course she didn't. There has yeah. to be um, a historical root in this. So I, I have a quick article from Just So You Know, Dumb Questions, Real Answers. Why do wizards have magic wands and staffs? And I am just going to read... Oh, thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, just You're a, saving me on a this quick one. <laughs> excerpt from Harry Potter receiving his first wand to Gandalf in the movies slyly telling a guard you wouldn't part an old man from his walking stick, we've accepted that wizards, witches and fairies use wands and staffs to do their magical business. But where does that idea come from? Why are wands and staffs considered so magical? In short, there's a crazy long history of magic sticks. Unfortunately, it's impossible to pinpoint the exact place that this concept came from because there are so many historical incidents of people holding and using wands as staffs. Whether it was a pharaoh holding a staff or a magi carrying a bundle of wands or a Siberian shaman brandishing a wand for ritualistic drumming, many cultures all over the world have independently used sacred sticks for thousands of years. Like even in uh, Greco-Roman mythology, s- staffs and wands were used. So now you know.
0: Now you know. I mean, it makes sense. I
1: wands are just magic sticks.
0: People love a good random stick. I know, I do. Me too.
1: Even my dad collects little sticks and rocks in his bathroom.
0: It it also plays a lot into the human tendency of we like tools and wielding tools and all that
1: right and if wizarding started long long ago well what tools did we have laying around they were made of wood lots of sticks we had lots of sticks
0: and so i guess that makes a lot of sense as for the potions and that sort of stuff i mean a lot of these rituals that would be practiced and be recreated over and over again involved recipes often involving herbs and animal bits and all that sort of yeah jazz. that
1: that one i get is just chemistry
0: yeah chemistry
1: people. in a, a less intimidating environment <laughs> it's not your typical seventh or eighth grade chemistry classroom where your teacher standing over your shoulder and you're making sure you don't burn things and pour the wrong chemicals into the wrong what are they what are those long like, test
0: tubes? Test tubes. You know, I think... Cylinders. I think it was a bit more uh, dangerous back then because they were just messing around with lead a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, someone, mercury, someone had to find out that that kills you.
0: Like, they, they were using lead and mercury so much that it makes sense why there is this kind of mad scientist sort of... Uh, feeling towards these uh It really makes
1: me wonder how wizards got so old, if they're just messing around.
0: They're all 25 with- and just, like, really decrepit from lead poisoning.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do have a last question before yes. we get into reconstructing the narrative of wizards. Yes. If you were to magically be thrust into a world of wizarding, what would you want your powers to be? And powers in quotation marks, maybe your abilities to be or your scientific inclination to be. Basically, what kind of wizard do you want to be? And I'm going to add one more thing to this. What do you want your tool to be? Because we talked a lot mm. about like swords, staffs, wands, or you could make up your own. You could be a pioneer of a wizarding world. Paint me a picture of what you would like to be as a wizard, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: I think for me, I would like my power to really be around invisible light, which. I I mean explicitly scientifically with that because invisible light is everything from x-ray to ultraviolet to infrared to all that sort of stuff. But with with invisible light, you can do everything from make Wi-Fi work or you can heat up things from afar. Like infrared will heat up anything if you just point infrared light at it. Or, you know x-ray gamma radiation like all these sorts of things i think it would just be kind of cool to be just like like light guy but you don't really ever see the light and then it just happens to work the way i expect it to work
1: and what is your tool
0: i think that i would probably have like a big old staff with like a magnifying glass on top of it in the shape of like an eye something cool like that
1: I let maybe a staff and it has a little button where the magnification glass can pop out the side.
0: Yeah. Because
1: you don't want that thing out all the time. What no. if you have to fight somebody, knock them in the head?
0: And then my glass breaks. Exactly. Yeah. Protective sheathed <laughs> magnifying staff.
1: So you're going down the physics route. Yeah. Light and I optics think- guy. Yeah, you're, you're the light guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down the biology route and stay with me because it might okay. be a little bit of a stretch.
0: Okay. But
1: something that I've been so jealous of in like specifically Disney movies is the ability of the princess to be able to communicate with the animals.
0: Mm. I like
1: the only thing that I want to really, really do in my life every single day is. My one desire is to be able to communicate with my pets and really any animal I come in contact with. So I know this is a little bit of a stretch for magic, but I would like to be the wizard who talks to animals.
0: Well, with what we know about us observing plant communication and all that and like the random apps that are like, what is your cat saying to you? <laughs>
1: it might be possible. It
0: might be possible. At this near point, future. it would be magic. Yeah.
1: But yeah. in a couple generations, I don't know. So that's my, my desire. And I think my tool would be like a little perch that I have on my shoulder <laughs> that whatever animal I'm speaking with, because I don't want other people around me to hear what they're saying. Yeah. I just want to be able to perch on my shoulder and whisper sweet nothings into my <laughs> ear.
0: Are you inspired, perhaps, by the bird perch that I made the other night? No. Oh,
1: okay. (laughs) I'm thinking larger perch.
0: My perch is pretty large.
1: Okay. (laughs) But I I am inspired, for any um, Tolkien fans out there, I am inspired by Radagast because I think he's the coolest wizard in that universe. And he's just, you know... He's all for the animals and wants to keep them all alive. And he's a little bit crazy, a little bit cuckoo. That's
0: the that's the like the forest wizard. Yeah,
1: he's the one who is like on the little s- s- sled know, with sleigh. the bunnies. Yeah, with the bunnies. Oh yeah. And to me, that's yeah. that is absolutely everything. So, who knows? Who? Knows? If I, if I wake up a wizard, that is what my specialty will be.
0: All right, you heard it here first, folks.
1: Now that we have a better idea of what wizards are, where they come from, and how the idea of magic and wizardy, <laughs> magic and wizarding has changed throughout history, let's get into how wizards are depicted now.
0: So this question really comes from an article that I was reading in my research that talks about the difference in the way that men versus women are characterized when it comes to magic. And the article is titled white wizard, male privilege, gendered witchcraft and racialized magic. It's a really interesting read.
1: It seems like it. Yeah.
0: It came from a, um, a Notre Dame professor and it goes through a lot of media representation of wizards versus witches. And, the way that certain similar abilities are considered scary and evil if it's a woman or really helpful and almost like um like beloved if it's coming from a man or like wise wise saves the day. There's a lot of saving of. People that comes from the male side of it
1: heroic versus demonizing
0: and if you wonder if this is like oh are we beyond this stereotype oh god no we are not like
1: (laughs) not even close
0: like even after we have acknowledged the witch trials even after that's been turned into plays into different forms of media it still is very much a constant with the way that wizards are portrayed versus witches because when i say the word witch the first thing that i bet comes to most people's minds is not good it's not a very positive thing
1: uh for me it it's positive but i think that this will be influenced specifically by like Hocus Pocus being mm-hmm. a juicy film. But then also, I've been a part of this subreddit for a while called Witches Versus Patriarchy.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: I just want to read the like description of this sub. Mm-hmm. It's, Witches Versus Patriarchy is a woman-centered sub with a witchy twist <laughs> aimed at healing, supporting, and um, uplifting one another through humor and magic. The goal is to at once embrace and poke fun out the mystical aspects of femininity that have been previously demonized and or devalued by the patriarchy. And I I think that's probably because I am a woman, I have never viewed and will never view witches as an evil or even scary idea. But I can see how any man not saying you or not, not saying is a bad thing, it's just in our culture today, I can see how a man may be more inclined to want to dress up as a wizard for Halloween as opposed for witches.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's even more explicit than that. Like they... Uh,
1: <laughs> I agree. I was just putting the yeah. Halloween thing out there because like the only other reference I really have for witches is Halloween costumes.
0: Yeah, I, I think that a lot of what... I was realizing too was just how explicit that divide was. And really it was just like you flip the gender on this term that's supposed to be equal men to women and the cultural description is entirely different. And that says something.
1: I just have a question that popped up into my brain. Yeah. It seems like wizards are... Being used as the male equivalent to witches. Yes. Where do warlocks fit in on this? Because I thought a warlock was a male witch.
0: I I think that yes.
1: Have they just been forgotten to history?
0: Um. No. I I think <laughs> not that,
1: important character. Well, it's
0: like you know you have druids, sorcerers, warlock. Like there are so many different terms. Okay. That it's impossible to just have one. Disc- like that's where it gets really confusing when also doing research because it's like. At this point, should we flip whether or not something is a wizard or a druid? Or is a druid really similar to a wizard, but not considered the same because they come from different times culturally?
1: So then why is witches the only word for women practicing magic? That's so upsetting that men are getting (laughs) so many different terms that we're getting confused by it, but then there's just only witch.
0: I I can't tell if it's like a chicken versus the egg type thing where the term witch was used, I think, to classify like an explicitly evil form of magic. Like there are there were books that were written.
1: But only women can be witches exactly and so it's like okay so if a woman wants to practice magic it must be black magic it must be low magic exactly because she's a woman
0: well it's actually it's I wouldn't say it's low magic I would say it's high magic but they add this idea of like deceptiveness ma- manipulation to it oh. what's interesting too is like the way that witches are characterized is that of like intense knowledge and power to manipulate there is this Idea that they almost are too smart and will always outwit your main characters and types of things. Like think I about think, Hansel think, and Gretel.
1: I think that's a very generous interpretation it from you. Be. I think it's more fear based. It, it's it that is fear. This woman or this witch or being—I I don't know if they even really are human. Technically, it mm-hmm. is so evil that you know she will kill you. She will. Put, cast a spell on you that will damn your future or things like that. Yeah. That it's, it's very fear-based, whereas wizards is often welcoming or curious or intriguing mm-hmm. or um, good, doing good for the world, whereas witches can only ever be evil.
0: I, th- I think that this is really well exemplified if you look at the way that Disney perpetuates this. In this article, they show four different witches. They show uh, the Wicked Queen from Snow White, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, uh, Ursula from The Little Mermaid, and Mother Gothel from Tangled. And just looking at the way that they're depicted, we'll throw an image on the screen, it says a lot about the way that witches are depicted in, in media. And then if we go to kind of what wizards tend to look like, uh, we have four of them here. We have Merlin from The Sword of Stone. We have King Triton from The Little Mermaid. We have Jafar from Aladdin, and Doctor Feldasir from The Princess and the Frog.
1: What's interesting from this, though, is—I mean, I've never thought of like Maleficent or Ursula as a witch, but I guess you're right; they yeah. technically would be. All four of those are the villains of mm-hmm. their films. And then on the wizard side, only two of them are the villains and, and the other two are good.
0: Which two are the
1: villains? The ones with dark skin, which that could be a whole other, yeah, so, a whole other podcast. And yeah. I know a lot of you out there will be familiar um, with that analysis of Disney films. Yes. Would love to get into it, but don't have enough time here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is really interesting that, you know these women female depictions of magic are scary and evil yeah and only two of them are in this in this example specifically but if you just look at disney films in general the magic that's used um is either coming from a princess she finds out she has powers and like that's actually a good depiction but they're never mm-hmm. thought of as a witch they're never called a witch and those who are are the villains
0: yeah and So. so i mean it's interesting to think about just what that word means so that's kind of what i wanted to get into with defining witches and wizards within media and reconstructing what that actually means
1: and what should they look like
0: and yeah and what should they look like because there there is no reason except for cultural overtime or like misogynistic culturally that they should be different because the defining characteristic between the two is male versus female but the way that we represent them is almost polar opposite. I want to kind of throw this question to you if we are to create more media that includes these enchanted characters should the term witch even be used? Should, like, how should people approach writing stories like this?
1: Definitely to a, the term witch should be used. I think if we were to throw that term out altogether, it would somehow become more derogatory or worse than it actually is. But if we take that term and kind of re-empower it um, and maybe take, you can like, either super gender it or just take gender out of it altogether, then over time, I think we could see that witches wouldn't be so evil or wouldn't be so bad in media anymore. So if you were to write some sort of story with a witch or wizard character, I think that they would need to be almost interchangeable because to me there should be no difference between the two if they're practicing the same thing magic why is there a difference yeah i don't know
0: yeah i i I am kind of right there with you with all of that i almost feel like if the words get used more interchangeably it would take the word and it would lift it up to how we perceive the word wizard
1: And I think I have seen that, like I said in that subreddit, Witches versus the Patriarchy, I have seen evidence of the term witch being used to take back that power and Mm -hmm. being used alongside in feminism. And I, I think that's really cool, especially people who are more into Halloween or spooky season and just really identify with magic or spirituality in some way, mm-hmm. it's a really good way to almost re-empower yourself as a woman interested in that field. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. So I think, you know, it is changing, especially since, you know, a couple decades ago when this was really, really demonized. I don't think it is anymore, at least in my world. Yeah, Of course, everyone's experience is vastly different, especially if you're coming from a hyper-religious background where things like this just aren't talked about. I mean, even some of these Disney movies we listed are on no-watch lists. Like, a lot of people can't even watch Harry Potter because the church says you shouldn't. So yeah. there's it, it really just comes back to what's your background? What's your relationship with magic? How do you define it? do you think there is a difference between wizards and witches? If so, why? Yeah. I think everyone would have a different answer to that. But my answer is they should be interchangeable, but until they are, use witches as an empowering term. Yes. Because it should be.
0: Yeah. I think what's interesting to also add to this discussion is there is this connection between wizards and scholarship, right? We know that women are getting degrees or getting more degrees than men right now.
1: In the United States.
0: In the United States. And graduate degrees, the gender gap is still very much there. But at least for undergraduate, it is flipped around the other way. If wizard is a term that empowered men seeking wisdom and knowledge, then why can't witch be given some more of that energy when it comes to women? Like the idea of being not only curious, but wise, intelligent, creative, cunning. Like those are all characteristics that you could easily describe with the term wizard. But I don't think people would think of those terms as often with the word witch now we're approaching halloween and i think it's a great time to reflect a little bit about what some of those legacies and scars of that misogyny historically of some of these parts of our history that we know about how can we kind of start writing the wrongs a little bit and how can we actually not just write the wrongs but use it as a like a springboard into a more beautiful and creative space. I mean, we were seeing that the Renaissance was embracing seeking knowledge that was considered outside of the mainstream and, but not from
1: women, but not from women. We have to remember that women were left out of the Renaissance. Yeah, exactly.
0: And so it's like, if that is the perception there, like what, what does this new Renaissance look like? What does it look like to to be more embracing and accepting of of everyone? I mean, like it is it is pretty plain to see that the greatest achievements that people do together are when they include each other. It happens over and over again in history. You include more people. Guess what? People got some pretty cool things to offer. So, I don't know. With this whole episode, find find a way to be. Excited about the term witch. Not let magic scare you. And to to celebrate everyone that seeks knowledge and that is maybe a bit magical in your own eyes.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely the sentiment of the episode. You know, I still find it fascinating to learn about the history of magic and wizards and witches because we can't erase what happened, but it also shows you that the idea of magic is always changing. Yeah. We're not at our perfect point for that idea to just stop. And yeah. so when you see movements, especially including like feminist ideas surrounding the term of witch or magic, you know, don't shine away from it. Like investigate what's going on because I think it is a really, really cool Um, interpretation of feminism yeah that is left out of the mainstream feminism narrative a lot because people are still nervous about magic and there are still um you know some bad under undertones to it
0: yeah i i really liked how you connected the the like witches against patriarchy Yes, I will
1: link that below. I encourage everyone yeah. to at least go check out that sub because it's just fun. The last thing I want to leave you all with is it's so easy to think that magic just isn't real because in our modern day, when we have so many scientific questions answered, it's easy to write off, like, oh, that's not magic, that's chemistry, that's not magic that's biology, whatever you want to say. But I urge you all to keep asking questions that still aren't answered and kind of wonder like, oh, like, are there some forces out there that might be responsible for this? Can that be magic? Like, it's okay. And it should be encouraged to wonder and believe in things that you don't fully understand. And then have the courage to go and pursue those things. Because without that, the field of science wouldn't exist. These things that we know today wouldn't exist. Like the truths that we rely on as a society wouldn't have been here without these alchemists, without these wizards, without these witches. And so be thankful that they were curious, but also keep that tradition going. And like if you have to look to the past to find some of that courage or some of that information to go forward, do. I believe in magic, and so should you.
0: I, I, I've i said this to you a few times, but I feel like science often is just writing down the rules of magic. That's all it's doing. You're telling me that all that stuff isn't magical to some capacity? Like, come on.
1: Absolutely, especially the... I think the more you specialize in one really, really small or specific part of science, the more someone can realize just how almost unexplainable certain phenomena are. And then that just loops you back to either magic or religion or spirituality. I think you can use a lot of those terms interchangeably based off of your own values. Um, but yes, lots of takeaways <laughs> from this episode one be curious believe in magic to a certain extent of course and support witches support witchy feminism (laughs) do your own research
0: support your local witches you know what yeah
1: (laughs) support your local witches (gasps) yeah
0: I think that, that that's all for me as well.
1: <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Can I Tell You Something podcast. I hope you learned something. I know I definitely did. Hopefully after this episode, you can think about how to support those <laughs> local witches. Yes. And wizards, don't want to leave and them wizards, out, of the, out of the narrative. I don't know.
0: wizards have had enough time on they, the
1: wall. They've had their time in the sun? Yeah. Okay, well, with that, I think we will leave you all. Until next week, Make sure to let us know what you thought about this episode on our social media or down in the comments. If you're on YouTube, we have Instagram and TikTok. It's at Can I Tell You Something, something spelled S-M-T-H. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye.